Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on March the 1st, 2022. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, to help me repopulate the Earth. Uh, you do realize that's not going to work, right? I don't care how many times you try, and you're not going to even once with Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we have played, game devs respond to the Ukraine invasion, Nintendo Switch Online adds missions and rewards section. Amazon Luna launches in the United States. RimWorld was refused classification in Australia, banning it from sale. In our weekly community corner, Sid Meier's warns the game industry about monetization. And if time allows, we'll have a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rach. Hello. What's up? Uh... Well, not much right now. Doing a show. Right, right. Like Doing a do. show. As one does. So there's, the, so there's that, which is nice. I think I think I might be doing the same thing. Doing a show. It's hard to, it's hard to tell, though. Yeah. Well, that got weird, huh? Yep. That's it. That's all, folks. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> uh, uh, probably our strangest intro yet. In, Which is yep. saying something. Yep. Um. Yeah, the, I mean, the world is a strange place right now, to put it mildly. We'll yeah, talk there's more been, about that. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about nuclear weapons. Yeah. And, and not in the fun, you know, uh, wacky fallout way. Yep. The real, oh no, we're all gonna die way. At least that's how people feel. Mm-hmm. And for um, one of the few times in the last, you know, like, six or seven years, I'm somewhat glad I'm not in Europe. Yeah. For the only time in my life so far, I'm glad to not be in Europe right now. But also, you know, what the fuck? Yeah. So, for anybody who who doesn't know, I mean, one, I envy you. Where's your rock? I want to come under it sometimes. And two, they could be in the future. Assuming we still have one, <laughs> that's true. But uh, Russia invaded the Ukraine last night, or not last night, last week, <laughs> while we were recording. Um, that would have been when the invasion first, like, happened. Um, yeah, but news didn't really break till the next day, at least for us. Yeah. So, uh, yep. There's there's fighting in in Ukraine. It's. Uh, pretty much immediately turned into a guerrilla war. Um, Russia's military is massively larger than the Ukraine's. And especially in the first couple of days, there was no aid going that direction yet. Um, so they pretty much immediately began using guerrilla tactics and so far have been successful in harassing the Russians enough to make them upset, more specifically to make Putin upset. But it's it's obviously much more complicated than that. If you don't know much or somehow, like I said, lived under a rock and hadn't heard about it, go, you know, look up some news articles from reputable or mostly reputable sources and uh, start going through it. A very significant event. Yeah. This is my... I'm tired of uh, living through interesting times. Me too. Can we live through some boring times, please? Oh, God, please. 
can only be so erect. I've had to have uh, too many hard conversations with my son these last couple, three years about existential life issues and, you know, like, all right, now this is a really significant time in history in your life, like, moving forward. It's going to be in the history books. Like, this is a big deal. Why, Daddy? Why is it such a big deal? Well, it's complicated. Do you have the attention span to sit through, you know, 50, 100, 200 years of political science history about Russia? Although, honestly, my kid is a huge nerd. Well, we'll, becoming... we'll, just, t- we'll just tell him it involves trains. Right. Some of it does. But yeah, no, my kid is a huge nerd who loves that stuff, so <laughs> I don't think it would be an issue for him. Yeah, uh, just get him to play Metro. Uh, he'll love the train portions. Right. <laughs> he would be have nightmares of all of the scary stuff. Oh, don't worry. I would as well. But, yeah. We'll uh, probably talk a little bit more about that later, but for for now, uh, hey Rage, what uh, what game did you play this week? Well, that you speaking want to talk of about? the apocalypse, I played a post-apocalyptic game, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond. Okay, and, it, and there's some hints in the extended lore that people have kind of theory crafted that Pokemon is technically post-apocalyptic. So, mm-hmm. all right, yeah. Because wasn't isn't in the Pokemon story there was like a huge war or something and yeah. then all the world governments were like no more guns and weapons we'll just use Pokemans yeah although uh, the latest at least for now uh, game that's set essentially before everything uh, kind of uh, hints at yeah the apocalypse being somewhat more recent. With all the Pokemon showing up, because if you go with some of the Pokedex entries, you know, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Slim Pickens. So, I've been playing this game on and off for a while. Uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond. This is the now somewhat recent remake of the Generation 4 game, uh, Pokemon Diamond. And I have some mixed thoughts on it. And I I think part of it is that it tries to be a very authentic recre- recreation of a Game Boy game. So there's a lot of times that it feels like it's kind of wasting my time. And then there's other times that the modern conveniences that they put in feels like they kind of screwed up the difficulty curve. Yeah. So... Overall, I did enjoy my time with it. I've uh, actually beaten the primary game uh, as of this point, and that's why I've kind of helped myself on talking about it, is that I wanted to actually complete the game first. Or, I should say, complete the main story, which is uh, basically Grumpy McGrumperson wants to remake the world by capturing the Lake Guardians and using them to Summon forth the god of time or space or depending on the version you're using because right uh, uh to destroy the world and recreate it. And instead he gets defeated by a ten year old who goes forth and captures the time guardian uh 
there's a lot of weird things whenever you think about it with Pokemon. You know, uh, the the evil team is terrible because they captured the, these three guardians of uh, these lakes to that embody different uh, emotions of mankind to summon forth this, you know, you know, God, essentially. And this 10-year-old captures it, and everybody's okay with it, right? Yeah. I have always uh, thought that was weird. <laughs> Granted, Pokemon is just weird in general. Good way. I mean, if you yeah. think about the story too hard, yeah, it it's odd. And just kind of falls apart. And I think there's a reason why the anime takes a lot of liberties with game mechanics and you know, outright skips a lot of uh, actual story from the games and just follows you know, Ash on his never-ending quest, right? Yeah. For whatever reason, he never seems to grow up, and, you know, it's just uh, every so often checks in with his mom and his stepdad, Mr. Mom. Because, you know, there's some weird shit going on there, right? Oh, definitely. For sure. There's some kinky shit going on. One hundo. Loads of kinky shit. <laughs> just be glad it's not a lucky tongue, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unless, I mean, you know, you can be into that if you want. So, part of the issue I have with this game is that, you know, like all the older games, they have to have some, you know, uh, essentially loading going on and processing going on. You know, the, the Game Boys and, you know, later the DSs, they weren't exceptionally powerful. So there was a lot of times that, you know, it's kind of a set and process and go through things, right? Well, the Switch still has those things. So you go into battle and, you know, it does this, you know, animation and it just, it, it just feels like it wastes my time a lot of times, right? Yeah. Which I know that's a Pokemon style thing, but at the same time, it gets annoying, right? Yeah, you, I mean, you want to feel like your time is being respected, at least mostly respected. And after Jim Sterling pointed out something, I just can't unsee it. Every time you, uh, every time like you pick up an item or pick up a, a berry or pick up really anything, the game goes through this long rigmarole, uh, playing tunes and stuff. It just wasted your time instead of just you know saying, "Oh, you got this." Even the fastest text speed is still fucking slow. You know, there's no instantaneous text. There's no right. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've played Pokemon. But I will soon when my kid's Pokemon gets here. Whatever we order him. Yeah. Uh, just be wary that remember that the old Pokemon games one safe slot and it's on the cartridge. I would actually suggest uh, probably cracking open the cartridge when you get it and swapping out the battery to make sure it doesn't die on you. Yeah. Not a bad idea, right? No, definitely not a bad idea. But uh, some of the uh, modern conveniences that they did bring into the game. So one is this generation was notorious for how many HMs it had. There are eight of them. So that's in the old games, two HM bitches to just, you know, do various things to go uh, through the world, to defog, to surf, to fly, that sort of thing. 
they did make it so that instead it's all on this uh, little app that you have instead that's in the upper right hand corner uh, whenever you press the shoulder button. So that is nice, but then there's this whole convoluted thing of a random wild Pokemon helps you for no particular reason. It has a little animation play out, right? Maybe you just smelled nice. It's like, wow. It smells so <laughs> nice. I'm going to go help him. He smells like bacon. Mmm, bacon. And one of the other things that they did is that they held over the experience share from the, uh, well, the previous game that they released on Switch, Sword and Shield, which I think it was the second game, or mainline game, that had a permanent uh, XP share. And before that, it was a held item, and it was only sharing with one particular Pokemon. Okay. So it made it so that the difficulty curve was practically non-existent. <laughs> For the entire gym run. And yeah, it's your. uh, This is mid, yeah, generation Pokemon. We're in Gen 8, about to have Gen 9 this uh, autumn at some point. Uh, Autumn or winter. Most likely that that time frame, at least. So, this is kind of in the middle where they've really gotten the formulation pretty much set. You have evil team doing evil shit. You're, uh, You're. a uh, random 10-year-old uh, off to go beat the hell out of uh, people that dedicated their entire lives uh, to Pokemon, right? Right. Uh, knock out 10, or sorry, knock out 8 gym leaders, then go forth and beat the Elite Four and become champion while defeating Evil Team along the way. Pretty standard. Now, the problem is with the experience share, they didn't rebalance all the gems, so that I was going in and... My highest level Pokemon, my well, I've kept my starter with me pretty much the entire time. Right. My starter was typically a good 10 levels above uh, whatever else. And if I had, you know, a good portion of my team with me, or my, uh, you know, core team, they were easily ever leveled. So it wasn't so much of playing type advantages, it was just, you know, avoiding disadvantages, really. By the time I got to the Elite Four, uh, I went in with a... Well, I tried to go in without any knowledge of what I was facing whatsoever. Because, you know, trying to make it as challenging as possible. It was actually the first time I really suffered any sort of challenge in a battle. Was the Elite Four in the championship. Or the champion. Because... They were somewhat close to my level. The champion's Pokemon was level 50 to 55, if I recall correctly. And not counting my starter, mine was 60 to 65. Yeah. So yeah, the closest stuff had in levels. <clears throat> but yeah, they also, typically the Elite Four, the champion also has... Slightly better or slightly more advanced AI and try to uh, play to a particular strategy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it does feel like they uh, may have goofed a bit with experience share, but that you know, could just be the fact that I wasn't swapping out Pokemon enough, you know? Where I had essentially yeah. a core team that I was running of you know, three or four Pokemon and then was taking a, a couple. Uh, alternates in for uh, 
particular roles. So that might just be on me. That might be uh, my problem. But I don't think, you know, that's an unusual way to play, you know? Yeah. And one other uh, kind of uh, nice uh, additive that they had was where you could access the uh, Pokemon uh, PC at any time to swap out, apart from gym challenges and the Elite Four, pretty much. So if you're in the middle of a, essentially a dungeon or what passes a dungeon in uh, Pokemon, you know, uh, oddball, cave, uh, you know, doing whatever. If you have a, a better Pokemon that you can bring in, it's a lot easier than it is in the uh, base game. Which is a, a nice uh, thing, but once again, it kind of kills some of the difficulty going in, you know? Yeah. It just felt odd, you know? It's it's not a bad game, and I'm ragging on it. Uh, uh, and it sounds like you know, I'm disliking it a lot more than I did. I mean, I did beat the game. I did stick with it for that long. And I've been playing it since its release, so that is something, right? Yes, it is. And I guess um, it's just, uh, you know, uh, having uh, Adita here, it's just, you know, uh, being exposed that much to Pokemon, it's more, you know, seeing some of the cracks in the formula, you know? Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how Legends Arceus does. I'm planning on playing it before too long. Yeah, essentially, Monster Hunter meets uh, Pokemon. People seem to like it so far, from what I've seen. Yeah, I've seen a lot of good things about it. That makes me a little nervous about playing it, right? Wait, it's going to be hyped up too too much for you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Elden Ring effect. Hyped up so much that I don't want anything to do with it. Um. Yeah. I want to play Pokemans again. <laughs> I want to play the new Pokemans. I don't get... Oh, shit. I knocked my earbuds out. I put them back in. I went to go take a drink and I caught them with my arm and pulled them straight out of my ears. Whoopsie. Oh. Hurt a little bit. Yeah, Sword and Shield actually, it wasn't bad, okay? Well, I should say Sword. I mean, Sword and Shield, they're practically the same game because, yeah, it's the split uh, releases. Right. Uh, I do have my issues with it. It has a bit of an over-reliance on the wild area. You know, you're constantly going back to uh, and looping back around. So it feels more like you're, you know, uh, just going in circles than uh, having a, what they typically have, the Pokemon journey, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's really what Pokemon is. It's one of the few games that feels like you're kind of on a, well, lack of a better term, a road trip, you know? Uh, yeah. To see the world. An actual adventure, globetrotting yeah. adventure. Even though it's typically within, uh, tied within a single area, it's uh, you know, diverse enough that it feels a lot bigger than what it actually is. Yeah. I mean, they're all just ab- abstractions, you know, kind mm-hmm. of in the way that video games do for, for large areas. But they do it well. They make it seem like there's a lot more going on than what actually is visible. They 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 do the implication and they do it well. Yeah, I do intend to play the DLC at some point for uh, Sword. Uh, uh, Sword's story is a little bit more nonsensical than typical for Pokemon, which is saying something. That and your rival kind of sucks. Yeah, uh, you do have technically two others. 
uh, that kind of filled the rival role as well. One uh, is kind of Evil McBatterson. And the other one is actually uh, one of the more interesting characters in the game, but you don't encounter her that often. So, right? Yeah. But yeah, I, I would say Sword is worth it. Uh, Brilliant Diamond, if you uh, played the original, unless you yeah, want to go back to it, uh, you could probably skip it if you still have the originals. The thing is that uh, they haven't released the Pokemon Home implement. Uh, they haven't implemented uh, Pokemon Home uh, into Brilliant Diamond yet, which makes okay. it a little bit of a pain to do some uh, more advanced stuff in it. And one of the things is seeing all the Pokemon in that region to unlock the national decks, which uh, does make things a little bit easier if you have it early. Actually, that does remind me of something. It's that uh, Brilliant Diamond's one of the weird uh, Pokemon games where fire types is not really well represented for whatever reason uh, in the uh, regional uh, Pokedex. And it's not until you get the national that you could actually get a fair number of fire Pokemon. It's just kind of how it shook up, you know? Yeah. And they do have more than the original version because they did uh, you know, expand the Grand Underground, which is essentially kind of how the wild area is in Sword and Shield. Only instead of this vast open plain, it's a... Uh, uh, underground maze network that, depending on where you enter it, you could enter it from any place uh, with a key item. Uh, and it puts you in one of five different, essentially, labyrinths that has different focuses on typing. A, a bit odd, what can I say? Uh, but it does, you know, give some uh, additional options. But it's not a ton until you, you know, get post-game Usually, post-game, when you uh, get the full-on Pokedex to unlock more options, it's just, right? And there is post-game stuff. You could go tackle uh, this, uh, essentially, tower of you know, very hard battles. You could go do the National Pokedex. You could do, essentially, post-game missions to get additional legendaries. and that. Yeah. There's still a lot to do, even though I've beaten the game. But, yeah. Uh, that's for another day. Right. Okay. Well, do you uh, do you want to hear about something that I came back to? If I must. <laughs> so, I came back to play No Man's Sky again. It's been, I think, two years. I mean, it's been at least two years. Uh, no, it's been three years. My last save game was for, like, sometime in 2019. So two and a half to three years since I played No Man's Sky. Um, the, you know, sort of continuing ongoing story of No Man's Sky as they keep developing it with these really big updates that other games would release as DLC or expansion content and they just put out. Although I don't, at this point, they're not doing that out of the goodness of their heart. All of the positive press that that garners um, does result in, in net sales of the game. Um, and I've seen a number of uh, articles and things talking about the economics of the way that they do this means that they make as much, if not more off of continued sales of the game 
um, with just doing the quote unquote free updates. So, I mean, I imagine uh, money from game pass, that sort of thing also helps, huh? Yeah, for sure. Um, so there's a, like a, a several big content updates. I'm going to be talking about my experience with them. Um, and where the game is at now. Uh, do you want to hear about the good stuff first or the bad stuff first? Yes. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk about, uh, I'll talk about the, uh, the bad stuff first. Um, so with this, this game, the longer that it goes on and the more they develop it, it feels more and more like an MMO in terms of like the amount of feature creep and uh, bugs and busted pieces that get left on the side of the, you know, the development roadmap. So things that they implemented in earlier updates, like for example, when they implemented the base building mechanics and um, gave like a little storyline to that, you could go and recruit some guys and do some missions and you would build your base and unlock new technology and equipment well, as they have added more and more ways to get new technology and equipment, you can break the quest progression and not be able to actually complete the, the quest progression. Um, so, for example, there are now multiple ways to get all of the technology in the game. Um, for example, both base parts, uh, upgrades to your uh, spaceships and little exocraft, which are ground vehicles that came out in an update. Uh, one of the first couple of updates that weren't just bug fixes. But anyways, you know, upgrades to the exocraft and your suit and your equipment, whatever. So multiple ways to get all those things. And if you get one of the ones that the mission progression line gives you, then it, it, it breaks the mission and you can't actually complete it to move on to the next mission because you've already got the quest reward. And so it'll give you like this weird generic, like your inventory is full <laughs> because you've got the, the quest like technology piece or whatever already. Um, this thing like, like in this, they fixed this because there's also some other story content missions that were added for that. You are trying to track down like another explorer like yourself to like find them and help them out or something. And that can happen with the rewards that they give you. Um, but they fixed it where that if you've got it, it just like skips over the thing, like the little prompt that's like, Oh, you got the whatever mission reward. Like it just skips it and, and progresses the mission to the next one. So they could have fixed it. They just didn't. Um, then even if that doesn't happen or you go in and use the save file editor to force the progression to the next mission, Eventually you get to a point in the quest line where it just breaks because they changed the way that you get the people to come to your base. And so you can't actually get one of the people. So you have like a base overseer, a science guy, a technician. Uh, Bill Nye? <laughs> yes, you get you have a Bill Nye. Um, Bill Nye the science guy. And then like a, a technician for like your weapons and then like an exocraft technician or something like that. But they combined those two into one. And at a certain point, apparently in, in the dev, you know, in the cycle of this game, that didn't matter. Like combining the two people into to one person, like you could just walk up to the specific alien race that you need and it would count. But then they changed how you recruited the people. And every space station now has got like a little room where you can go in and find people to recruit for, for your base. 
none of those people can be recruited because they're only listed as like the technician instead of like the armor armor guy or the gunsmith guy. So that quest is just permanently broken. Um, may I haven't checked to see if you can fix it with the save file editor, but sounds like it's Dobain's quest, right? So that, that, that quest is permanently broken. Um, which doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, unless you like doing the quest to have all the guys hanging out at like your main base, which is you know pretty neat. But you know, it's, it's just like that. That feels like an MMO thing of like, oh, the quest line got broken when the, there was an update, and we just didn't have the time to fix it, or and we can't remove it because you know legacy reasons or code or something. So you know, it's just permanently broken. That's that's what that feels like. Um, they have changed the tutorial again so i've experienced three different tutorials playing this game the first tutorial when the game first launched where it basically drops you in the world next to a destroyed spaceship that you have to collect the basic resources for to fix your ship and take off into space and away you go yeah i remember i think it was that when i played and i found the game utterly boring because of it yeah so, well, I think I also may have had a bad planet for it because none of the resources I need was anywhere close to that fucking ship. Yeah. Then the second tutorial was directed because um, when I played, they had introduced the Artemis quest line, which was the one I was talking about. Like, you go find a guy, you're like, you're trying to find him and like save him and fix his stuff or whatever. And so that one is a directed quest line where that you get some more instructions. Your ship is less broken. Um, cause that could, you know, to try and avoid the fact that people couldn't repair their ship and get off the starter planet. Like, so that had been quote unquote fixed, but it was still fairly open. Um, do a few things. Once you get your ship in space, you could ignore the tutorial if you wanted to big deal. Now the tutorial is extremely handholdy. Your first two hours of a new gameplay or of a new game are going to be completing the steps one by one. You can't skip ahead. It won't let you fuck you for even trying. And on top of that, one of the tutorial quests. Okay, so you have to get this thing called the terrain manipulator, which lets you manipulate terrain. You can dig into the ground to mine certain resources. You can um, use it to build up or level terrain. Um, you can do decorative things with it for your base. Pretty, pretty important tool. Well, it was on my game that I started that I was playing with King. Uh, it was buried in the ground. So the technology module that you had to find to get the terrain manipulator could only be accessed by having the terrain manipulator. And apparently this is a big problem that lots of players experience and have been experiencing since 2020 that they have not fixed for one reason or another. So it's kind of random. You can, if you're on console, you're just fucked. You have to restart over and over again until you get uh, a world generation where that your technology isn't buried in the ground. Uh, until then, you're playing No Man's Terrain Manipulator. Yes, No no Man's Terrain Manipulator. On PC, you just load up the save editor, give yourself the tool that you need to dig up the tool that you need in order to progress the story and you know, away you go. Um, and then there, there's just other little things like that where it's like, 
could you not have fixed this? Or could, you know, like you've worked on this game for, uh, it was like its fifth year or sixth year anniversary, something like that this year. It's like, could you not have, have like done this? Like you've done so much. Like why half-ass this one bit? You know, there, there's the few really big things. And well, then see, lots- it's a callback to them half-assing the launch. Maybe so. Or, or, or would that be more quarter-assing? Eighth-assing. Um, no, no, it's not quite that bad. I mean, the game did load. That's true. So, so that is better than a Ubisoft title half the time? True. Very true. But, um, so that's... You know, there there are more like, plenty of small things that I've ran into like that, like but things that I think are spelling mistakes or things where that something's just like a, t- a tad bit glitchy or like, huh, that's janky. That camera angle's weird. It feels like somebody didn't QA test this menu for how many like steps you have to go down to get the thing. It's like, well, I mean, it was, you know, optimized for con- quote unquote optimized for consoles or whatever. But, you know, just things that feel weird, like. Odd or bad design choices, but none of nothing is major is what I've talked about so far. So that's the bad, the good, and the new new things that they've added. So, um, in one of the early updates, they added ground vehicles. So at first it was just like a little explorer car, and then like a big tank thing, and then a, like a hover scout, and now they've added a submarine and a mech. Um, both of which are very cool, uh, the, and they've added a whole lot of stuff for underwater. So you can build an underwater base now, <clears throat> like a full underwater base. You could kind of do it before, um, but it was really like glitchy the way that you could do it. But now that there are actual underwater base building pieces that you can get, which is neat. Um, lots more upgrades for the vehicles. They were kind of pointless before. Um, like you could only summon them or, you know, spawn them from specific places on your base and initially that's the way it is now but there are upgrades that will let you sort of spawn them on up anywhere on a planet where you've got a base and then anywhere in a star system and then anywhere within like a certain like light year radius from the the base where you've stored them in the ground to make them a lot more viable um and and usable um all of their inventory spaces have have been expanded. Generally speaking, inventory spaces have been expanded overall, which is good. Inventory management was stupid in a game like no man's sky where so much of what you're doing is man is, you know, collecting stuff. The inventory was way too small. They've added ways to upgrade your, your, your technology and your ships more. So, so for example, before, like if you found a really cool ship, but it was like a C class ship, then objectively it just is not as good as a ship that you don't like that's not as cool or whatever you know that's an a or an s class ship so now you can upgrade your ships um to raise their classes and to give them more inventory slots and more uh, like tech upgrade slots um and things like that they have added an option <laughs> On, I don't know if this is on console or not, but on PC, they've added an option where you can turn off, click, and hold. Thank so, you. Right. So, yes. Thank fucking Christ. There are still things where you do have to click and hold, but it's stuff that, that makes sense that's like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, click and hold to confirm that you actually want to do this thing, like destroy your whole base or, um, you know, uh, reset 
your game progress, or, you know, stuff like that. that like that's something else that I found annoying was all the yeah, uh, tap and hold, click and hold. Yes, no, now you don't have to do that, except on like context menus where it makes sense to do that. It's like to prevent you from, you know, like I said, accidentally deleting your entire base or resetting your game, or there's a few other things that it's like, are you sure you want to do this? Like with a click and hold prompt, but you can now navigate the menus with a mouse like it's a mouse. It's great. Um, they fix the way that ships fly. So they don't feel like you're like just flopping around in like a fish tank or something. Like they actually fly normal, which is good. Um, and then they've added more and more game mechanics. So they've added, um, they did a, a major graphical and, um, sort of optimization overhaul. So the game performs better than it, than ever before. It actually runs on my, you know, nice hardware at an, a smooth 60 to 90 FPS. I, I've limited the frame rate to 60 FPS. Um, but if I unlimit the frame rate, it, it averages about 90, but I get some weird dips in like space stations and certain like graphically intense areas. But they, you know they did a you know a beautification overhaul and then an optimization pass or something to improve the performance. Um, they added lots and lots and lots and lots of new little side stories and missions and things that you can find in space, making space a more interesting place to be and making the planets feel more unique. That's the wrong word. More differentiated instead of hitting like the same you know. 20 biomes or whatever. They added a lot of new ones. They allowed for cross-pollination of biomes on planets. I've not found anything that feels like a real planet in terms of like, ah, yes, this Earth-like world has got desert continents and forests and snow at its polar ice caps, but you will see more than just like pink grass, green grass, red grass, water, like... You know, there's more variety there, so that's nice. Uh, it still suffers from kind of the Star Wars era, or Star Wars problem of single biome planets. Yeah, I- I've seen some planets that I would describe as dual biome, but you do still have a lot of single biome planets. Which makes the planets feel so damn small, doesn't it? It does. They've added some new weird stuff, though. I mean, No Man's Sky's, like, quote-unquote story, even from the beginning, is like that you're inside of a simulation. And the simulation is starting to break down. And so you can find some really weird or interesting planets that are kind of computery in nature. Or like I ran into like a planet where everything was bubbles. Like it had like, like you know, like a, a kid's bubble wand or something like had blown bubbles all over the planet. That was neat. Uh, I ran into like a honeycomb planet that had um, like a honeycomb like lattice structure. And there were like these little glowy things coming out of the ground. Um, so there's some neat, weird stuff. I haven't done a lot of exploring. I've been really focusing on trying to, because I just started a new game, and I've been tr- focusing on, like, getting the reputation levels with the alien species I need, and the money to, like, explore all of the big new areas of the game. So, reputation systems, those had existed for a long time, but they've added a new colony management thing? 
haven't gotten too deep into that yet, but it feels like it's going to be kind of shallow and vapid, honestly. It's like, once you get a high enough reputation, there are now outposts on planets. Like, more than just, like, single building habitats. Um, There are structures and, like, sort of, like, small towns or villages that pop up. And I've found a few different ones. Like, there's at least a few different types. Um, I don't know how unique, air quotes, they are. But um, you have to have a high enough reputation with whatever alien species controls that, you know, that that star system. And then you show up and you do some missions for them. And then they make you the mayor of their town and give you quests that you have to go on. And some of them are kind of like more daily quests of like, oh, no, we're being raided by pirates. Help us. And then some of them are fetch quests, you know, go get. 100 of x resource we need it and then some of them seem a little more unique in terms of like or not unique but a little more specialized in terms of like you know you're on this planet go find and explore and catalog you know this number of species or oh there's treasure on this planet go find the treasure and bring it back for the town so i mean that's kind of neat but it's also like a yeah, lot but, of like mmo also, like daily quest type stuff is what and, it feels and, and like. also yo there's treasure on this entire planet somewhere yeah right exactly um so yeah it's it's neat it's a neat idea but it does feel very mmo daily quest like grindy stuff um they've added companions you can get like pets uh, animal pets robot pets um sentinel pets which are like the you know the bad robot things you fight um you get a sentinel's a pet i i don't have a pet yet i don't really care it's just in there uh fighting you the entire time but it's you swapped out its laser for a laser pointer yeah i i'm not sure i haven't i haven't like i said i haven't tried to get any of the pets like you can if you get an animal companion that's big enough you can like saddle them up and ride them around but i don't know why i would do that when i can get in my car or my spaceship like the pets thing is like a nice idea you know like it's it's a nice little thing to have but i like haven't really engaged with that idea at all i've seen lots of pets around in the multiplayer area um which they have increased the amount of multiplayer content they have by adding these things called expeditions which are like world quests for an mmo for lack of a better term and they will have like a series of objectives that you have to complete or you don't have to, but if you do complete, then you and the community get, get rewards. The one that's going on right now, I have gotten rewards for, even though I haven't intentionally participated in it. Um, and it's like a do an exploration thing and like catalog catalog, like new species and find new planets. And so pretty much if you're playing the game and exploring, you will, progress that quest and get rewards so i have been getting rewards for it even though i'm not done it intentionally they did one a while back that was uh synced up with the um the mass effect uh remaster or whatever launch and so you could get like the normandy as one of the frigates in your fleet um which fleets were i talked about fleets last time i played this because they were in the game they've improved that system it just made it less buggy. Like you could fall through your ship. Like it. So you land your fighter on, on your like capital ship and you hop out and you fall through the floor. That happened. Oops. All the time. Getting out of your ship, thankfully is an auto save. So you could reload the save and you would be fine, but it's just really frustrating. You'd be like, all right, I'm going to do a thing. Well, fuck, I fallen through the floor. 
and died. So, damn it, I fell into the uh, contraband uh, hold again. <laughs> right. So, and then the most recent update that they did that made me like when it popped up, and and I was like, oh, interesting, and then like or not, I was like, oh, that's neat. It's not really interesting, but that's neat. Was that they upgrade or like retooled the entire combat system? Combat No Man's Sky was a joke. Um, you basically like they had all these like specialty weapons you could get and upgrades, but the enemy AI was brain dead, and so could you. You didn't even have to try to fight and win. So you really only needed like the basic laser blaster um, in order to survive combat. So they retooled the enemy AI, made new specialty enemy types, made them smarter and tougher. Um, so the combat feels better it's not great but it's better than it was um the main thing that made me want to play it was the this youtuber i follow the patrician who did the 12 hour oblivion video um he did a no man's sky review and it was it was like 40 minutes um only only 40 Uh, minutes what what was that part one (laughs) nope that was it he hated no man's sky which, oh man, after my own heart. Which fair enough, but but yeah, he hated No Man's Sky, but that made me want to play it again. And then I saw the Sentinel update, and I was like, you know what? Why not? I'll play it. So that's No Man's Sky, where it's at in twenty twenty two. It feels like an MMO that has a lot of features that still exist that nobody uses or that are broken because they've been replaced by newer systems that may or may not be better, but they're newer, so they're getting all the attention. Sounds like an MMO to me. Yep. Yep. I mean, so, I mean I'm thinking like uh, WoW when yeah, new expansion comes out, nobody does the old shit anymore. Yep. It feels so interesting and weird to me to think about it, because when No Man's Sky launched and, you know, the before times, the way ago before times, they were like, yeah, it's this solitary exploration game. You can check out 18 quintillion planets and never see another player. And now half of everything in the game is like, hey, go to the social hub, find people and do the daily quests and the expedition like world quests, please. And like, it's fine. The game doesn't make you engage with any of that stuff. I will say like it it throws it up in your face. And, you know, like I said, there's a lot of quests that pop up that have to do with that stuff. But you can just turn off your quests and explore and do whatever you want at your own pace like the game doesn't make you but it's it's just so strange that it's like you know just sitting there in the corner like staring at you like come do multiplayer with me come play with me you're like no you're gross and weird i just want to explore and dig in the ground and shoot robots oh, no, I, I bet that's something that you hear a lot <laughs> Touche. You got me. So yeah, I don't know if you've never played it before. Is it still on Game Pass? It it was at one point. I think it is. Let's look. No Man's Sky. Yep, yep, it's still on Game Pass. So if you've never played it before, I mean, go check it out on Game Pass, I guess. Unless you've listened to me talk about it and you're like, nah, fuck that. That sounds terrible. Then yeah, you're probably right. You probably won't like it. And like, that's okay. Like, I'm not like... I realize that might sh- sound like dismissive or whatever, but like, 
you don't you don't have to like it. Lots of people don't, and I understand why. I'm just the sort of weirdo that has liked the type of game that it has been from the start because it speaks to that very like weird need that I have to just like go dig a hole and listen to a podcast. And No Man's Sky can still do that. Just the hole will be a little bit shinier than it used to be, and you can do it in a mech suit. So they sold it even better to me. <laughs> I already had it though. I've played No Man's Sky for 150 hours. Well, you could always uh, play other things on Game Pass. You, you could do that. You I could mean, do there, that. There are other games out there. There are. Do you know how many hours I've played Battletech? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's just give it up counting and it just puts an infinity symbol. 2,047.9 hours. I'm looking at it on Steam right now. Uh, how, how many was that? 2,047.9. How many days is that? Uh, that's what I was calculating. I'll, I'll let you calculate it. Uh, I think it'd be easier to calculate it to weeks. Because it's 85 days and some change. <laughs> or just over 12 weeks. Nice. Uh, I'll be talking about Battletech or again. almost three calendar months. Sweet. It's only taken me since 2018, four years. It's only taken me four years to get there. I'll be talking about Battletech again soon, too. I've been playing Talking. the latest stable release of Battletech Advanced, and they've added a bunch of stuff, but that's for another time. You want to go talk about the news? I guess so. So, um, uh, Speaking of war to, crimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. back to uh, some real news, right? Right. War crimes o'clock. Um, game devs respond to the Ukraine invasion. So like we said at the top of the show, like if you were living under a rock, Russia invaded the Ukraine last or week. Or the future. Right, or the future. Russia invaded the Ukraine last week um, and has been doing war crimes um, in in many ways. Um, many war crimes have been committed. That's not to specifically pick on Russia. America has done plenty of war crimes, as have other countries around the world. But right now, Russia's doing the war crimes. And game devs have had stuff to say about that and responded to them. Um, we've got a bunch of articles collected for this. I yeah. don't know, do you want to go so, through them rapid fire, or do you have one? Uh, well, I think the big one is uh, uh, this war of mine doing a massive sale and donating the proceeds to the Ukrainian Red Cross. That's yeah. kind of a feel-good one, because... Uh, this war of mine, this, uh, that's a game I've been meaning to play, but I just never have because it's one of those, I know this is going to make me feel like a terrible, terrible person. Right? Yeah. Yep, that's a fair statement. So, it, I mean, it's not a feel-good game. This war yeah. of mine was, I mean, really, this war of mine is, um, you know, kind of the Ukrainian experience in video game form. Like, you're playing people who are trying to live in a war zone and you know civilians and the struggle that you go through to try to survive and just how fucked up things are uh, that uh, that you may have to do to survive yeah but yeah this this is a good um a good thing that they're doing i mean it's, you know like you said pretty cut and dry they're doing a week long sale and all of the yeah and they got uh, review bombed because of course they did i, oh, mean, I didn't know that i didn't see that 
Oh, no, they got review bombed by Chinese players. Ah, fuck those people. Fuck the Chinese. You hear me, China? Fight me. I mean, things are absolutely crazy right now. So we have Chinese, uh, uh, you know, getting in bed with Russia because, right? Yeah. Uh, and, of course, state media, right? I mean, I, I really can't blame the typical Chinese gamer if, you know, the only information they get is, you know, Chinese state media, right? Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, China pretty, I mean, they're not the only country that does this, but they pretty heavily control the news media and just about everything else in China. Yeah, the the ones I'm really wary of are the evangelical Christians in this country praying for nuclear holocaust because it would signal the end times. Yeah. I've seen some of that stuff, and it's really scary. Yeah, they uh, got Pat Robertson out of uh, whatever you know, nursing home they shoved him into. And it was, whoo, I-, I saw that video. I will say, for the time being, the the people in my life who I would expect to be on that train did not get on at the station. So it's like, okay, there is a line. I It feels strange that you know, this is that line, but thank fuck there is one, I guess. Right? Yeah. But anyways. Um, yeah. There's, God, it's so, like, I, I saw a, a, um, a TikTok earlier, like, somebody showed me, one of my clients, actually. They were like, check this out, like, because, you know, we talk about COVID and our, you know, anxieties around that and stuff all the time. And it, this person is on TikTok is like, you mean to tell me that we've been surviving a global pandemic for two years because of all of these dumb motherfuckers. And now when we get to what might be the end, like they don't live in America, they live in a better country, but like we get to what might be the end. And, you know, Russia tries to start World War Three. All right. Like, yeah. I mean, I tweeted out a couple times this week. Uh, one just before everything really kicked off, you know, Pokemon and World War Three. Am I trending? I saw that tweet. Yeah, and then I did a follow up. Well, my uh, my feed was right about uh, Gen uh, about Pokemon. I hope they were wrong about World War Three thing. Yeah, we're not there yet, and I hope we don't. But I'm I don't I don't feel comfortable making predictions either way. Not a foreign policy expert. I am not gonna armchair, you know, general a conflict that I don't fundamentally don't understand. I just Honestly, hope that I, I still feel stupid that I don't understand what the hell Putin wants in Ukraine outside of maybe rebuild the USSR. Oh, did you see the the Soviet uh, or not Soviet? Although it feels Soviet, the Russian state newspaper article that somebody fucked up and posted. No. Oh, I'll have to try to find that article to link it to you. The short version of that is that um, they had already prepared because they expected this to be, you know, a Blitzkrieg campaign and be over and done. And they had already prepared this news article, like declaring victory over the Ukraine and how that this was part of uh, Putin's grand vision to reunite um, the the what do you call it? The Russian Empire or the Russian 
something like it's it's translated and there's a thing in there it's like there might be some translation errors but basically the soviet states you know and uh that uh belarus was was next to join the so or to rejoin the russian federation and it was uh, taken down really quickly but archive.org uh saved it oh right yeah Uh, assuming that's real of course right oh no it's real oh boy yeah no this is this is a real news article not not satire not fake Somebody was probably killed over that mistake. Oh, definitely, oh, definitely killed. Yeah, they they had it as a um, tweet or something. Yeah. Do you um do you watch Bo with a fifth column on YouTube? No, that's where I saw it. I like Bo. He's uh he. I mean, he looks like he would be a stereotypical like you know redneck conservative dipshit, but he's not. He's just like looks. I mean, I think he's from Florida. He's like the the rare example of like smart Florida man. Here we go. Here it is. He he did like a five minute, five or six minute video on this uh, today. And that's where I saw it. I'll link you the YouTube video. There you go. You can watch it later. Yeah, I'll check that one out later. I think I've seen him pop up a couple of times because he looks familiar. Yeah, he's got a decent sized YouTube channel. Um. 672,000 subscribers. I, if that's who I've seen pop up a couple of times, I've just never paid attention to. Yeah, he does look like Florida man. Yeah, but I've... I've but, which I know, that, that's terrible, you know, judging a book by its cover, but at the same time, right? Yeah. He's somebody that tends to be on on the ball with it. You know, I mean, he's human. He gets stuff wrong and is, like, surprised or whatever, but he tends to have pretty good level-headed political commentary um so but yeah anyways um welcome to the political scary bit of the podcast pretty much because uh, a lot of this is in response to various things uh uh i'm on the wrong section Uh, i mean we also have uh, Ubisoft uh, providing shelter for its Ukraine uh, employees and giving advance pay. Yeah. I mean, not really anything you could talk about there without uh, terribly about it. I mean, this is Ubisoft, though, so. Hmm, right. I can't believe they're doing something nice. I wonder what the strings attached are. Or, you know, they're scrambling for some good press. Yeah. Um, Escape from Tarkov. Uh, this so is the, the funny one. Yeah. So the ruble, the ru- is which is Russia's currency. In case you don't know, the Russian ruble is crashing um, following economic sanctions and getting bogged down in a guerrilla campaign against the Ukrainians. The ruble's value has plummeted, and while it was not on parity with the U.S. dollar, I want to say it was eight rubles to a dollar. That I'm. I, I could be pulling that out of my ass. I could go look at a currency conversion. But regardless, at the moment, it's one Russian ruble is worth less than a single U.S. cent. Um, I mean, well, let's just put it this way. I'm looking at the ruble price chart on Google. And just a cliff after February 27th. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was going downhill. 
all through February as, you know, tensions rose, and then just plummeted. Oh, it was even worse than I thought it was. So it looks like one U.S. dollar was worth uh, 80, like 70 to 80 U.S. dollars, and it kind of bounces up and down between that mark for the last year. And then the Ukrainian invasion starts, and it loses some value, and then economic sanctions hit, and it just plummets as the cascade effect started to, to roll in. Honestly, I was surprised that the economic sanctions were as uh, powerful as they were. I figured they wouldn't really do much because they didn't do anything really last time it happened. Or if they did, you know, Russia was able to hide it. But Russia said, you know, run on bank, you know, the, like the classic, like run on banks. And um, well, uh, the Daily Show actually had a funny joke about that one. Uh, Putin wants to bring back the uh, the Soviet Union. What's more Soviet than uh, standing in line for hours uh, for basic <laughs> service? Touche. <laughs> Touche. Some cold-blooded shit right there. Um, but yeah, so anyways, with, in, uh, with the value of the ruble tanking, players in Escape from Tarkov are no longer wanting to buy or sell in-game gear with the ruble, which they use the US dollar, the euro, ruble, and Bitcoin. And so players aren't trading the ruble anymore, and it's um, what it what is it doing to the in game economy? Anything, or is it just like a marked? Uh, basically, from what I could tell uh, on the limited article, it's basically tanked the value of the currency because nobody's wanting to buy it, and it makes it so that NPCs really don't want it either. Which is an interesting game mechanic, huh? Yeah. I mean, uh, we're seeing, you know, uh, stores not wanting to stock uh, you know, Russian stuff. And actually seeing restaurants pouring out Russian, Russian vodka. Yeah. In protest. So, you know, it's not surprising to see that uh, they, uh, uh, that gamers uh, don't want to deal with uh, this shit either. Yeah. So, let's see. What was the... Did we miss one of them? Escape from Tarkov crashing. This war mine. You talked about that. Uh, the world of tanks. Ubisoft. Dev. Oh, okay. Yeah, the world of tanks. Dev. Uh, yeah, I was it, thinking we were missing one. Yeah, uh, well, we weren't there yet. So, uh, world of tanks also fired their creative director because he <laughs> kind of voiced support on Facebook about the Russian invasion. Idiot. I mean, if you want to have support for it, fine, but. Th- Realize consequences, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I would call him... I, I, I guess it depends on what was going through his head, if he was being stupid or not. Because mm-hmm. I could understand if he's like, no, I don't care. I don't care what the consequences are going to be. Like, I feel like it's worth well, it. To- yeah, he said uh, in a now-deleted Facebook post that uh, re- following Russia's attack, that he supports the Operation of the Armed Forces of the Russian Federation, the DPR, Donstrich People's Republic, and the LPR, Lundstrich People's Republic, Wargaming, a Brasserian uh, uh, company uh, that employs hundreds of developers in Ukraine's capital, Kiev, quickly disavowed the statement. So he is working in a Ukrainian 
company and saying, you know, this invasion pretty damn good. Oh, I got it backwards. I thought that he was saying that he did not agree with the Russian invasion. No, 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 no. He 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 was in support of the Russian invasion of the Ukraine while working in a Ukrainian developer. Ah, I see. I had it backwards. I thought that he was um against the invasion um like on the Russian side of it or whatever, you know. Or in Russia. Or, oh, sorry, uh, sorry. The, uh, the the company is uh, uh, is Ukrainian, but the uh, the uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the company, uh, the they're in a different se- a former Soviet state as well. So, right? Yeah. But yep, consequences for your actions. Now, now I understand why you were like calling him an idiot. I was like, I don't know if he was an idiot. Like, Yeah, he, he's working in a former Soviet state. Right. But yeah, so that, that happened. And honestly, there's probably other stuff that we didn't see or, you know, that maybe you saw but they weren't as interesting because you, you were the one who, you know, you do our new yeah. sweep every week. Um, I mean, so... these were kind of the highlights. Uh... Oh shoot! There was another uh, developer that was also uh, I saw it very briefly, but I didn't write it down. Uh, that was also uh, uh, being reviewed. Uh, oh, oh, it was. Um, no, I'm just double checking myself. I'm just leaving this mostly quiet while you look to. I think it was editing. I think it was space engineers that was also getting review bombed uh, for showing support for Ukraine. Ah. I guess the uh, the Chinese and the Russian people and bots are out there doing uh, what they think is the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a "We support Ukraine" on their store page, and well, it's already been cleaned up, but they were getting review bombed as well. Did uh, did China flip flop? Because I know that they came out and said that they did not support the invasion. They didn't really say that, like you know, we don't support Russia. Like fuck them. But they did, were like, we think that everyone should be independent. And. Well, I think as Russia's getting more and more sanctions uh, piled upon it, it's trying to win win as much support as it can from China. Yeah. Because they're about the only people that's trading with them right now. Right. Okay. So, uh, you know, China's basically swooping in and getting a big trading partner out of this to, because, right? Yeah. Which, you know... Yeah, there's a... Uh, that sucks, New York Times article it. talking about why the Chinese internet is cheering the Russian invasion. So, right. Yeah. Hooray for more state-controlled media! Yay. Hey, but look at it this way. Uh, as bad as things are here, at least it's not Russia, right? Yet. You know? Yeah. I mean, let's put it this way. Uh, I've seen a, a certain uh, politician that shall remain nameless. Or, or sorry, totally not politician, former uh, business owner. Uh, that's been uh, saying Putin is an absolute genius for his uh, tactics. Yeah, yep. Getting a 40-mile convoy stuck because it ran out of fuel. 
Yep, I uh, I know who you're talking about, and perhaps our our listeners do too. But yes, they shall remain nameless. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the whole thing's a mess. To you know, like no duh, but the whole thing is a mess, and you know, best of luck to all the the mad lads out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, uh, same people. Uh, uh, pull up to a uh, a Russian armored personnel carrier that's uh, stuck in the mud or is running out of fuel and seeing them yell, hey, you want a tow? We can take you back to Russia. Take you back to Russia? Yeah, I love that. Or the guy carrying the anti-tank bond while smoking. Yep. Uh, just and carrying it off to the uh, side of the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, just absolutely... Mad uh, lads. Badass. Or, you know, their president uh, showing time and time again, no, I'm not like uh, what Russia media is saying, I'm still in the country and I'm still fucking fighting. Don't send me an Uber, send me bullets. Yeah. Although he's problematic. Uh, I mean, you know, certainly he's handling this crisis in a very, I think, the best way that anybody could. True. So, you know, credit where credit's due, mm-hmm. but he's very problematic. Yeah. Although, you know, we'll let history decide how how it's going to look upon him. But I, mean, I, mean, I he is... didn't know too much about him before all this. I do yeah. know that he's a former comedian. Yep. He's uh, he's got some very right wing views on sir on social issues. Mm. But, uh, you know, he's. Certainly, I, I think standing still, up for what's yeah, still, right in this. I still respect him for you know, actually sticking around and fighting, because yeah. I could name you know a few politicians that would be fu- in fucking Cancun right now. Right, absolutely. They would have been in Cancun like before. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. take much to get them to Cancun. But let's move on to the next news topic. Yeah. Um, again, I think probably our listeners are, are for the most part, like aware of this. Um, but just be careful of, of misinformation, disinformation and propaganda. Like, it's pretty cool to think about like, you know, the mad lads who are, you know, throwing Molotovs at APCs and, you know, joking about towing tanks back to Russia or like the ghost of Kiev or, Mm uh, some Russian soldier, or not Russian, some Ukrainian soldier that they're just calling ghost um, because of, like, you know, how many kills or whatever they've gotten. Like, all of that's propaganda. And maybe when all the dust is settled and, the, you know, we can go through the official records, like, we can find out what's true and what's not. But for every one of those stories, there are probably a dozen more of some mad lads who tried to stand up to the Russians and then get gunned down, or maybe they do succeed in like popping the Molotov, but then they get their car blown up while they're running away. Just certainly. And also be careful of what you share just in case, you know, it gives information. Yeah. So that's the other thing. Yeah. So, so remember that, that like for every success story that comes out, there's bound to be at least one failure, probably more. And there's propaganda that's going to be coming from every angle on this whole deal. So as much as you can, fact check. Be careful what you share. 
you know, and retweet and all of the other things like will, you know, in six months, a year, 10 years, you know, reports will come out, documentaries and movies will be made and the facts will eventually bubble to the surface. But we are in one of those, you know, one of those major historical moments. We are in a significant period in history. Can I take a, a break from significant points in history? Yo, just yes. one summer, please. Yes, please. But no, we are in a significant period of history within a significant period of history. So just be careful. A significant period of histories all the way down. All the way down, top to bottom. So much significance, much uh, much history, big wow. <laughs> so, so, uh, so how about yeah. uh, Nintendo doing something uh, somewhat significant? Yeah, go lead us okay, into this. Okay, so Nintendo Switch Online has added missions and a reward section. So this is a, just a little thing that they've added. They've had a a couple of currencies on their online store, one of which has been platinum currency that's kind of collected dust for quite a while since the Wii U and 3DS era. And they And they haven't done a lot with it. Well... With this update that's actually launched today, uh, March first, they added a little thing to the to the Nintendo Online Store where uh, it gives you a series of missions to do. And right now, it's very basic ones. There's four that it seems like it's going to rotate throughout the month or or uh, on a month to month basis. So one is play. Super Mario Brothers, the original on the uh, Switch Online. One is play, uh, just play a game. One is pl- uh, back up a save uh, to the cloud. And I can't think of what the other one is uh, right off the top of my head. And they all reward a significant number of platinum points, which you could use to buy icon parts. So the Switch profiles. Uh, this is essentially your avatar for that, and it's uh, across two games at least for this month: uh, Mario Odyssey and uh, Animal Crossing: New Horizons. And you can buy uh, characters, you can buy backgrounds and frames, and make mix them together to make a new icon. Which it doesn't sound like a lot, but considering how far behind Nintendo is on their online functionality. And the fact that they haven't had any significant update to the number of icons that you could have for quite a while. It's nice yeah. to see. Now, there are limitations. You cannot mix and match. So you can't have, like, the frame from Animal Crossing with, you know, Frog Mario from Mario Odyssey for whatever reason. And it seems like whenever you start making a new icon... You have to use the components from that, so you can't, you know, like add a new frame to an existing icon for whatever reason. Some people are speculating that it's legality reasons uh, if they expand this in the coming months, do more third-party stuff because right now it's all first-party, obviously. Yeah, uh, they might have, uh, you know, issues with like, uh, you know, Sonic having a frame from Mario Odyssey, right? Yeah. And it might just be a way to, you know, have that limited. Uh, or, you know, to, to 
to not have that possible legal issue down the road, which is frustrating, but eh. Frustrating, but also understandable to a yeah, certain extent. To a certain extent, but it's also, you know, Nintendo do, always does something weird with its functionality somewhere, and that's the one for this one. And the Platinum Points, you cannot buy them. There are other ways to get them through the online uh, eShop, uh, through different missions, and playing the mobile games actually gives a fair number as well. Um, but it's just a, you know, a little update that they did that's you know, actually kind of nice. Yeah, It was out of nowhere, really. Or at least I didn't see any mention of it beforehand. Yeah, neither did I. And gives a little bit more custom, uh, uh, you know, customality to the uh, Switch, which is you know, sorely lacking in it, really. Or at least on the you know, online front of things. I mean, there's plenty of stuff uh, hardware mod-wise that people could do with you know, cases and stickers and that sort of thing, but... Right? Yeah. I've never really looked at what a, your profile would look like to other people. It's the icon uh, that you have uh, on your... Uh, whenever uh, you like select a user, or in the upper left-hand corner... Uh, on the main game or on the main screen, so like uh, I have Mario and Anita has a profile on my Switch as well. That's Luigi. Gotcha. Uh, so my friends see me as that one Mario icon. But if I were to go in and uh, I use the Animal Crossing stuff to build a, a icon based off that, uh, they would see that as my icon instead. Uh, sort of like the Steam avatars. Yeah. Only without the ability to you know, upload your own one, you have to essentially get from the point shop. It's the same basic idea. Only without the whole, you know, have to buy stuff to get points. Uh, instead, yeah, missions, but eh. Right? Yeah. I, this, this makes me feel kind of like the way that Xbox handles profile customization, or at least it used to, mm-hmm. um, with you being able to, to get or, or create like your little sort of badge icon and then, you know, creating your custom avatar and having that viewable and stuff like that. Like, and then the, the missions or the, yeah, the, the daily, you know, or not daily, but the, the missions or your quests, whatever, um, that feels like the Microsoft account rewards things too that you can do. Yeah, I've seen some parallel with that. Only there's no way to translate it into actual, yeah, you know, uh, money that y- you could use on the store. Uh, that's a different currency that uh, is uh, essentially a, a percentage back on uh, buying something on the store or registering stump- uh, something. Yeah, but it's. I mean, it's neat. It's a neat yeah. idea. Something that will add a little bit of an in that magical word engagement mm-hmm. to their online platform. Yeah, and they have said that they're planning on swapping out stuff. So right now, uh, they are kind of feeding into the whole FOMO thing, you know. Yeah, uh, uh, the Mario Odyssey and the uh, uh, Animal Crossing ones are only there for the month, and then later on. Uh, the Animal Crossing ones are actually focused on villagers that have a birthday in March, which is kind of a neat little tie-in as well. Yeah. So, 
we'll see if they expand this more or if they uh, go in and change it up where yeah, uh, there's more than just two games at once. There's actually a fair number of things. There's for Mario Odyssey, there's uh, ten different characters with five backgrounds and five frames, which is a fair number of combinations. And Animal Crossing has an absolute ton because it's based on the characters. Yeah. A lot of characters in Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. And that's just the March ones. Yeah, it looks like I actually did complete this month's uh, mission, so... And uh, this does require the online membership as well, so that is something. And this is the base membership, it's not the expansion pass thing, which... Maybe eventually they'll have it be worthwhile, but right now, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know, maybe with the, if they keep adding to it, because the Mario Kart 8 uh, uh, courses is coming up, or starting up this month. And that is on the expansion pass, so maybe that adds a little bit to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't... Uh... I wasn't expecting you to have you know, a huge uh, commentary on it. I just thought yeah. it was a neat little thing. It is neat. I think it's a very neat, good thing. Um, we did some good news, right? We did need some uh, good especially, news. Especially before we dive into this next topic. Right. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of monolithic uh, uh, corporations that, do, that does weird things with their own line, Amazon Luna uh, launched today. Yeah. Um, what do you think about this one? I just uh, the fact that they're uh, throwing in some stuff with Prime that makes it at least somewhat interesting to me. So, oh, they actually have an entire uh, 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 they uh, highlighted what's coming in April. So they're doing four games a month with it looks like some sort of uh, limited uh, preview as well. So. Uh, Prime Games gets four games a month on Amazon Luna with no subs- additional subscription, I should say. And then they have channels, which is where things get weird with Luna. All right. I- I've not tried Luna yet. I-, I got into the beta and saw that they won like seven bucks a month for to access the beta and just noped out. Right. So, I- uh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I also kind of got into the beta, but I missed the actual email that told me that I got into the beta, so I missed my window to sign up. <laughs> but I didn't realize you had to pay to be in the beta. I yeah. would have noped out of that also. Yeah, so instead of how oh, Stadia does it, which Stadia is getting some uh, flack from uh, Wired, which was hilarious, but didn't really want to talk about that one this month, or this week, I should say. Uh... Instead of you know, buying into a particular subscription and getting a thing, or you know, buying games piecemeal, they have channels. It's kind of just packages. So Prime Gaming has their own thing, which, like I said, is four games a month. So for this month, it's Progs, Devil May Cry 5, which that'll be an interesting one to test, huh? Yeah. Uh, Flashback, which never heard of it, and Observer. They have some sort of, you know, short preview, uh, or, or sorry, yeah, uh, this is going to be a, a, a trial for a game that's uh, 
only on the Ubisoft Plus subscription towards the middle of the month for a week. Immortals Phoenix Rising. The next week they, or sorry, next month they have King of Fighters 98, Amnesia Rebirth, Trex Toy Box Edition, Immortal Shell. Yeah, real high-end stuff, right? Right. You and I both are kind of like, we don't understand what they're doing. Because... Especially, w- especially with how they have this set up. With its channels thing. So, you know, the base subscription, Luna Plus, after this month, which locks in a lower rate if you jump in and stay on it, it's going to be 10 bucks a month, which is the same as Game Pass. Yeah. For or PC Game Pass, I should say. Yeah, PC, and PC Game Pass is a service to beat. You either have to offer more for mm-hmm. the same price point, or roughly the same price point, or be much cheaper, or offer some kind of functionality that makes people think it's worth the money to get fewer games. And they don't seem to be doing any of that. Yeah, and I'm just... Uh, they actually have a game list on here, uh, on uh, uh, the second link on there, Luna. If you go there, it's uh, just some picks. Uh, Saints Row the Third, uh, the remaster of it. Um, uh, Metro Exodus, uh, Yakuza Zero, uh, Control, mm-hmm. Ukulele, Impossible Layer. Like, there's a lot of. Uh, I, I don't want to call it shovelware because they are good games, but they're. Older games, they're indie games, you know? Like Abzu, yeah. that's that's a pretty old game at this point. Air yeah, the Gungeon, that, that's, a, that's several years old now. Uh, Contra Collection, River City Girls, that just had a sequel come out, I think. Or is about to come out. And Brothers, no, no. A Tale of Two Sons, that's absolutely ancient. Don't get me wrong, either. Like, old games, or quote-unquote quote old games, older games, are great. They're still great. There's still good reason to play them, especially if you never have played them before. But those can't be the, you know, sort of flagships of your service, or the main line of your service, like... And that's the thing, is also, a lot of these games will run on an absolute potato. SteamWorld Dig, uh, SteamWorld Dig 2... Both of those, I think, uh, could run on uh, easily on mobile. I think they are uh, been uh, ported to mobile. Uh, Luminis uh, is on here, right? Yeah. I mean, there's just so much on here that uh, I, I know using the comparison to uh, Steam is probably unfair, but I'm going to do it anyway. On a Steam sale, you know, is way under ten bucks. I mean, they just gave away uh, on uh, Prime Gaming this one, uh, SteamWorld Quest for Gilgamesh. Literally, this month. They gave that one away. Yeah. I mean, there's there's just a lot of why. Yeah. And also, you have uh, this one, like, Two Point Hospital. Well, that requires so much DLC to get in a more playable state. And I don't see any mention about it having the DLC for it. Yeah. And I mean, my guess for the reason why is that that's what they can get. That's what they can, can, you know, can use. But, or, or that's what they're willing to, to shell out for. But, 
if that's the case, then like, why isn't this service like free to people who have Amazon Prime, and then you know, uh, four bucks a month or something for anyone who doesn't have Amazon Prime? Like, you're gonna I mean, have they to do get- have a small portion of it for Prime, but it's just it's so minuscule. Yeah, no, the whole service needs to be available, quote unquote, for free to Prime users, and then be extremely cheap to anyone who's not Prime. And, like, Amazon's got fuck you money. If it's a thing of, like, you know, having to eat the cost of it or something in order to, you know, actually give it a chance to the service to to become successful, like, Amazon can eat that. Like, I'm under no impression that they couldn't. So, yeah. What's absolutely crazy is, okay, so that's just the base one, all right? But they have different channels as well. They have the family channel, which right now is three bucks a month, which is a pretty damn good value. But it's that's going to go up to five bucks a month, or sorry, uh, uh, six bucks a month, uh, five ninety nine. Have to go down to the FAQ to see what the actual price of that is. And once again, it's a lot of smaller indie titles. Matter of fact, this one I don't see anything that would really stand out as. Yeah, triple A big title. I mean, there's Snake Pass, right? Right. Good game. Uh, but Gate Bird. I mean, these are a lot of games that I think uh, you know, your son would love. But at the same time, yeah, this is a five dollar or sorry, six dollar a month thing on top of the other one, right? So you're already looking at Game Pass Ultimate, right? Yeah. <laughs> then. They have the Retro Channel, which is another $5 a month, which is older arcade titles with some uh, yo, odd uh, 2D platformers in it as well. I mean, some of it is emulation stuff like Joe and Mac. That's uh, Sega Genesis. Uh, 1942, which is old arcade. Yeah. But that is, you know, uh, it's just, why, right? Yeah. Just steal. Just steal from the, the big corporation. Oh, but, that's, but that's not even the crazy one, okay? You want to get into crazy? Go for it. Jackbox. They have a Jackbox channel. Yep. It has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven... Eight things are. Are they the eight Jackbox Party Packs, or is it eight specific Jackbox games? It's Jackbox Party Pack 8, Jackbox Party Pack 4, Drawful 2, Jackbox Party Pack 7, I think I'm miscounted, by the way, Jackbox Party Pack 2, 5, 3, the original, and 6. Okay. So they have the different Jackbox Party Packs plus Drawful, and it's five bucks a month. <laughs> Right? Yeah. But that's not the stupid one. The stupid one one is Ubisoft. Yes. Ubisoft Plus, 18 bucks a month for pretty much the Ubisoft uh, catalog or uh, a portion of it. Yep. And it's pretty much Immortals Phoenix Rising, Far Cry series, up through Far Cry 6, which, right? Yep. Uh, Assassin's Creed, or at least a handful of them, and the spinoffs, Watch Dogs, and the 
uh, and a couple random indie uh, uh, produced uh, or uh, yeah, smaller uh, titles that Ubisoft produced, like From Dust, which I remember that absolutely flopping when it came out. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil, which boy, that one's ancient, huh? Yes, it is. Starlink Battle for Atlas. That's a game. Yes. Uh, Monopoly Plus. <laughs> Yay. Oh, I'm just, I'm just floored about uh, the audacity of all of this, really. You know? Yeah. And this is on top of, if you're wanting to play on your uh, TV, you need to buy a controller for 50 bucks as well. Because of yeah, course, that's, right? Yeah. Which has limited functionality. I mean, Steam just po- uh, pushed a update that gives more functionality to it on PC. And up until this point, it was practically a lump of plastic if you weren't using Luna. Was it at least a nice lump of plastic? Well, it's purple. <laughs> well, I like things that are purple, so... Gets a pass. Two thumbs up. No. Luna's... I mean, I don't know. Amazon might fix it. They might take the time to fix also, it. Also, I have prom, I will probably try out one of their uh, uh, streaming games to see how it handles. I know uh, Microsoft's uh, cloud, pla- uh, cloud stuff, uh, when I had Ultimate for a few months, uh, actually was pretty decent. There was times that, you know, uh, lagged, but yeah, right? Yeah. But I was also playing slower-paced titles, and what they're pushing on Prime is not slower-paced titles from the looks of it. Right. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I kind of want Luna to be successful, kind of, but it's not, I don't foresee it being successful if it keeps being the way that it is right now. Like, Microsoft needs someone to provide competition so that the Microsoft doesn't, you know, go off the deep end on fucking people over to get the Game Pass services. But, you know. I mean, we have Amazon going absolutely crazy on pricing. Uh, we have Google, I think, forgetting that they produce Stadia at this right? point. <laughs> and Amazon and Google could both take on Microsoft in that space. They just... Well, that's the thing, is that... uh, Well, Google is so focused on the tech of things that they're not... uh, They don't understand the gaming mentality of it, you know? Yeah. And Amazon uh, is used to bullying their way into stuff, and... Right? (laughs) Um... Yeah. Good old... Good old cowboy Jeff Bezos giving us a thing. Fucker. Anyways, I don't know. It looks like uh, right now Luna is only available in mainland US as well. So, I mean, I'll definitely give it a try this week, assuming I don't forget or get sidelined with something. So, yeah. uh, I'll I'll give a report on how it handles. Uh, Who knows? Maybe I'll do some Devil May Cry. Yeah, I need to play it too, just to check it out and see how good it is. Uh, Devil May Cry or Luna? Luna. I mean, also Devil May Cry. Actually, I never really played Devil May Cry, so... I've played a couple of the Devil May Cry games. Um, I like them. 
but I've not played all of them. Like, you know, I don't like love them. I'm like a super fan or whatever, but they're just, they're fun. Well, I just know that, yo, that's going to really tax the stream because, yo, particle effects, right? Uh, it does look like they have add-ons as well, uh, at least for Devil May Cry, where you can buy microtransactions for the different things. Uh, red orbs, blue orbs for real money. So, ugh, right? Yep. So that does mean that they could do DLC for this if they really wanted to, but now I'm just going around looking. So I'm not logged into my Amazon on this. You know, it doesn't, it's trying to push me to a, uh, a trial. But going to like Yakuza Zero, you know, it doesn't have any of the DLC on it. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's just because it's the prime uh, uh, free game. Could be, but you know, it's also Devil May Cry, so mm. yeah. Um. All right. May move on to our next news topic. Uh, yeah. Sweet. Rimworld has refused classification in Australia, banning it from sale. Forget of war crimes. Yeah. You uh, you said that you. Or not that you said that it was because of drugs, right? References to drugs. Well, well, here's the thing: is that everything that I've seen on a, a few articles talking about this, I've just picked one. Uh, the ratings board didn't give an actual reason, but historically, they've cracked down hard on any game that does drugs. Uh, I believe this article highlights um. Uh, we happy few uh, had to get uh, 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 remove dr- uh, certain drug references from its game, yeah, because yeah, that, that game definitely did have drug references otherwise. Uh, uh to get classification uh, in Australia. Um, wasn't it uh, Fallout Three that uh, got refused uh, classification because they had morphine in it? Um, sorry, you broke up there for a second, and I kind of zoned out also for a second. I'm sorry. Yeah, wake the fuck up. I'm I'm trying very hard. <laughs> uh, I believe. Uh, Yell at me, uh, hurt me, uh, hurt me. Well, you, now you just want it too much. I believe Fallout Three. They were refused uh, classification because of drugs as well, because uh, they had morphine in it. Yeah, I I I mean I disagree with that. It makes sense. Like they're at least consistent, and that way are they seemingly consistent you know but i I don't understand that like it's video games video games aren't real life you know ban the video games that are like yeah kill gay people and trans people and you know that kind of stuff like ban those games sure but just because a game has drugs or violence or sex like don't 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 ban it for those here's here's the actual drugs that are in the game and they don't even glorify them there are some definite benefits, but there's also some very negative effects on them as well. Ambrosia, uh, psychic tea, beer, smoke leaf, flake, yayo, wake up, and go juice. I know th- th- they banned it because of beer, right? They might have. Probably not, but they might have. Go juice. Go juice is coffee in my book. <laughs> well, this is like ultra coffee. Yeah. So it makes it so that you don't have to arrest. Uh, you get 
bonus uh, re- uh, recreation from uh, uh, chemical uh, uh, because of chemicals. Uh, re- restore psych focus, assuming that you have the DLC. But you also have a very significant chance of uh, uh, addiction to it. And uh, a slight uh, chance for uh, overdose, because, right? Yeah. And then, you know, of course, a crash later on, because, you know. It's like meth. That's what, that's what it sounds like you're <laughs> describing to me as meth. Oh, then there's flake, which I think that's supposed to be cocaine. Makes you happy, uh, but also, uh, uh, oh, hang on. I, I, I think I'm on the old wiki, so it's not giving me really good uh, info on this. Okay, so here we go. So there's Flake, which is a mood-based uh, boosting drug, uh, but it could cause psychosis, and uh, colonists could build up tolerance if it and get addictions because, of course, right? Yep. I mean, it's it's just kind of silly with all the things RimWorld you could do, especially with the DLCs. Yeah, you could have a bunch of, uh, uh, yeah, smoke leaf uh, induced uh, hippies that go steal cows and uh, sacrifice them to their hippie god, right? <laughs> yes. You gotta, you gotta have a bunch of uh, whacked out uh, flake heads, which sounds like they have a dandruff problem, doesn't it? That goes, uh, uh, that enslaves people and, uh, you know, and cannibalizes them. But no, it's the drugs that are the problem, not you know all the other war crimes. You know, not capturing people and you know slowly uh, removing their organs one by one. Right. Just the drugs. And definitely not the enslavement. <laughs> no. That's um... not even you're really uh, getting into some of the shit you can do with mods as well. You know, sending somebody back with a bomb in them. Right. Just a nuclear one shoved up their ass. Either a small nuke or a big ass. Why not both? Ooh, touche. Got uh, me. Yeah, they put acid plants in them. And then uh, shoved the small nuke up there. Oh. Ooh. That doesn't sound good. Or feel good. Oh, don't worry. They use the lube. They're not complete monsters. Okay. Well, then that makes it all okay. Actually, there's multiple stories in RimWorld of people uh, harvesting... <laughs> Most of the organs from a person, uh, maybe giving them peg legs and yeah, very basic prosthesis, releasing them and having them come back time and time again and just harvesting more and more, <laughs> just recapturing them. Yeah, but no, it's the drugs that's the bad thing, right? It's the drugs that are wrong. Oh, it's the children who are wrong. So uh, this is hinting at this classification. Uh, uh, that there's a uh, console version on the way, which will be interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, I really don't expect this one to come to, uh, to the Switch, right? No, neither do I. But uh, it's definitely a game that could be played on uh, consoles. I mean, I don't see a reason why it couldn't, especially since you could pause pretty much at will uh, to give orders. Uh, yeah. I will say that the mods definitely make it a lot more uh, enjoyable. If they could uh, get mod.io, maybe. Uh, like how uh, SnowRunner has it. 
you know, the mods aren't as massive as uh, the ones for SnowRunner, so maybe it'll work. I don't know. It's... Yeah, but, you know, if you're in Australia, it doesn't really matter because you can't buy it. Well, unless you're on PC. Then you can still buy it because... Right. You have more options for doing so. Yeah. Uh, speaking of options, uh, we have our community corner. Indeed. I don't know how that's a segue, but it works. I was about to take us there anyways. For our community, said to us by Jim, uh, Sid Meier warns the game industry about monetization. Somebody has to. Yeah. Um, well, well uh, let's just hope he's not unleashing Gandhi on us. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. Um, essentially, uh, the, the article starts um, with a you know, lead-in that the BBC is doing an interview with Sid Meier, who, in case you don't know, is, is the um, developer behind the Civilization series. I mean, they've done other stuff, but that's probably the biggest thing that they're known for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a discussion about how the game industry has, has changed and what publishers and developers have focused on and what he thinks or what they think they should focus on. Um, which is that, you know, to, to make a long story short, to summarize the article, essentially game devs and publishers are focusing way too much on monetization as opposed to making good games. Um, you know, sort of the idea of, like, if you build it, they will come. If you design it, they will pay for it. You don't have to psychologically manipulate people in order to get their funds. And it's, yes, absolutely. I agree. I think we should just make more good games and rely on people to buy the games that they like. That makes the most sense to me. I mean, there was, uh, I, I did link a second article kind of talking about the article with the BBC. Uh, and it's really uh, more the same. It's just kind of a different uh, take on it. How there's just such a focus on how to nickel down uh, gamers, for lack of a better term, uh, that the developers are, fo- are have to focus so much on that because of the publishers. Yeah. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's the suit that ruins everything, right? Yep, because they control the money. And without mm-hmm. the money, you can't make your game anyways. So, you know, you do what they say, or you don't make a game. Uh, Meyer also added that if publishers just assume that a game needs more monetization to be a success, but they forget that it has to be fun to play, then it just won't work. <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it sounds. Uh, th- there's so much on this article that sounds like, duh, but... We're in the wrong position to really understand why this needs to be said. You know, we are not the ones controlling the money. We're not, uh, you know, in the lofty tower looking down on the peasants, right? But uh, part of fear is um, that they're not hearing that anyway because, you know, they're too busy sitting in their golden toilets, right? Yes, probably. That, that's, yep. It's the image I wanted to see. Them sitting on golden toilets. I mean, they're not even using them. They're just sitting there. <laughs> they're using them like a chair. Yeah. Just to send on something golden. Mm-hmm. Well, they have to have their throne. Um, trying to think here. What else is there to add to this? I mean, there's not a lot to add, at least in my opinion. No, me either. I mean, I agree because, with the state. I agree yeah. with the sentiment. I don't see it changing anytime in the near future, unfortunately. Yeah. 
Yeah, unless something radical changes or we just see more of a shift to uh, independent developers. I mean, we've really seen that kind of already where, you know, the independent developers, thanks to stuff like the Steam sales and just getting traction through, you know, good PR. Yeah. They don't need... Yeah, you know, uh, to be published to get uh, yeah, that attention anymore. Right. No such thing as bad publicity. Well, unless you're you know, working for uh, a Ukrainian company and raising an invasion of the country. Right. Absolutely. Then it is bad publicity. Don't. Yeah. Don't. Don't do that. You shouldn't do that. Even if you think it's true, don't do that. <laughs> Too late for him. Oh well. Um, well, all right. nothing of value well, was really lost, most likely. No, nothing of value lost. So that's it for Community Corner. Where can people send us stuff, Rage? Well, if you were to send us something, you can do so vglpodcast at gmail.com, tweet it to us vglpodcast, or drop by the Discord and leave something there. Uh, you can find that over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. Sweet. So... Uh, I'm not feeling a community corner, or not a community corner, a discovery queue this <laughs> week. I like to not feel I already a community did the, corner. I already did the community corner. No, I'm not feeling a discovery queue this week. I am having a hard time staying focused as the sleepies overtake my body. So well, let's just be honest. You're you're bored of me. You're you're ready to be tired, uh, be gone of me. I never grow tired of you, but I do grow tired of other things in my life, like work and staying up too late and not sleeping enough. That makes me really tired, but. Hey, Rage, hit him with them socials. Well, I've been in Caffeine Rage. You can uh, find me occasionally tweeting over at Gaming or Cigar. If you used to be my friend on Steam, you can find me over there, Caffeine Rage. And you've been? Jared. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707, where I shitpost about all the things, um, or complain about stuff, or just, like, tweet random things. You never know what you're going to find. Uh, I try not to be offensive. Um, you can also find me, right? You can also find me participating on Twitch streams of tabletop games over at twitch.tv slash arts, where I play currently a really like evil vampire man and am running a Battletech campaign, the RPG portion and the tabletop war game bit together. You can find those. Um, and then also, if you come join the Discord, you can be like, hey, Jared, what's up? And I'll chat with you. Woo, woo! That's those are my things. <laughs> so scrolling all the way back up to the top, once again, you could uh, reach us via podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics. Uh, tweet them to us via podcast or drop by the Discord, which once again a link to that and all our other stuff can be found at vglpodcast.podbean.com. Our lovely, lovely patrons have been responsible for this madness, and shame on you. <laughs> but if you were to find out more, patreon.com slash podcast. Our intro outro music is on the ground by Kim McLeod. You can find his work over at incomputech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See ya. Bye bye.